From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Obobasa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. Hello. Wow, put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Good to see you all. It's been a long time. I think two Sundays. Feels like two years. (laughs) Wow, but it's good to be back. Amen. And um, we thank God for the opportunity to be in his presence. Amen. Amen. Just bow your heads with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for the opportunity to be in his presence. Yes. In your presence, I am content. your presence, Lord. I am content. In your presence there is light. Expressions of your life. Revelations of your power and In your presence I can read my love song there is life come on in In your presence there is light expressions of your light and revelations of your power and might in your presence I can read my love song offering I'm in the presence of Sing one last time. In your presence there is light. Come on. In your presence there is light. Come on. Expressions of your light. And revelations of your power and mind. Oh, in your presence I can bring a love song offering. I'm in the presence of my King. 
Father, we thank you for this great privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for the light that we can find in your presence. Thank you for the revelations of your power and might. Thank you for the expressions of your love and of your life. We pray this morning for the spirit of revelation. We ask, O oh God, for the help of the Holy Spirit. May we experience the contribution and the participation of the Holy Spirit in our encounter with you this morning. And let no one who has left their homes to come all the way to this place of worship to meet with you. Let them not fail to meet with you. Let them not fail to hear from you. Let them not fail to see you, O oh God. I pray that this morning we will have a deep encounter with you. May the preaching and teaching of your word enlighten us and let it encourage us. Let it instruct us. Let it direct us. We thank you, Lord, for your great blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. You may be seated, everybody. Expressions of your life and revelations of your power and might. Oh, in your presence I can bring my love song offering. I'm in the presence of my King. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank God for His Word. And um, I know that on Sundays, Reverend Charles has been preaching powerfully about David. Have you been blessed by Reverend Charles' preaching on David? Wonderful. Amen. And it is a blessing. We thank God for such great teachings as he has given us in this church. Amen. Through our prophet. And um, I hope we all have the book on David, the success of David. Do we all have it now? Yes. That's very important. Amen. So if you get your books out, and everybody must have their books on their phone. Amen. So you get to look on your phone, which you want to do anyway. So <laughs> you get to have your phone during the service and we go through this powerful teaching that God graciously through our prophet has given to us. Amen. All right. So um, I think that we can begin from the famous summary of David's life, isn't it? So First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 28. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 28. It says, 
and he died. Actually, if we start reading from verse 27, First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 20. All right, 29 and from verse 26. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. Okay. David reigned over all Israel and bestowed, sorry, and uh, over all Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Verse 28, and he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor, and Solomon reigned in his stead. Hallelujah. David died in a good old age. Full of days, riches, and honor. Say, I will die in a good old age. Say it again. I will die in a good old age. Full of days, riches, and honor. So help me God. Hallelujah. The testimony of David will be your testimony in the name of Jesus. I said the testimony of David will be your testimony. Hallelujah. You should receive such blessings with zeal and with passion. Receive it like you want it. (laughs) Receive it like you believe it. Because that's what you want anyway. (laughs) So why pretend you don't want that? (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank God that he's not against you living To be a good old age. Amen. Amen. Now if God's plan is otherwise. So be it. But I tell you that for majority of people. God's plan is for you to live your full and complete life. Amen. Amen. That is why we must not allow the enemy to steal. Steal from us. The life that God has given to us. Hallelujah. Today the enemy is attacking many young people especially. And trying to ruin and destroy their lives. Before they even know what their life is about. (laughs) Do you see? But you must remember that God's plan is for you to live to be a good old age like David. Full of days. Hallelujah. The blessing that God gave to David can be your blessing. Amen. Amen. Which is the reason why we're learning about David. Hallelujah. Because the other important verse in this lesson is Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Which says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Amen. Those who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises. So God wants us to follow some of these great heroes in the Bible. Some of his favorite people given to us 
in the Bible. And in the case of David in particular, God opens up his life to us right from its beginning all the way to the end like this. Amen. Amen. And we know that David was not a perfect man. We know that David made mistakes. In fact, grave mistakes. Mistakes that you will probably never make, I pray. (laughs) Are you getting it? Yeah. But that should be good news for you. You see, because um, if a man who made such mistakes can have an ending like this, then there's hope for you. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is hope for you. Amen. That God wants your life to end well. Amen. You will not be a disappointment. I said you will not be a disappointment. Say with me, I will not be a disappointment. Say, I will not be a disappointment. I will not be a cause for concern. No one will lose sleep over me. No one will lose sleep over my life. I will live to be a success. I will not die poor. God will bless my life. And I will be an example to many. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. God is going to bless your life. And the blessings of David will be your blessings. Amen. So I really hope that you did pay attention to Reverend Charles as he was sharing, you know, these principles that we glean from David's life. Hallelujah. Great principles because if you want someone's end, you must walk the road that leads to that end. Are you getting it? You must walk the road that leads to that end. And thank God that he has not hidden them from us, but that he has opened up David's life and shown us the things in David's life and has helped us to understand them so that we can also walk in those same principles, applying them to our lives and expect to experience the blessings that David experienced. Amen. David has got to be one of your favorite people in the whole Bible. He's a great person. I think the name David is probably one of the most uh, commonly used names anywhere, isn't it? Yes. I think in every country there's a David. (laughs) Perhaps in every family you will find a David. You know, if you... the family a little bit, you won't go too far before you meet a David. Amen. So David is a good name and he's a good example to follow and I trust that God is going to make us all into Davids um, for his glory in Jesus name. Amen. Right. Then I believe Reverend Charles took us through the principles of the success of David, the principles that characterize David's life. Number one is the principle of what? Small beginnings. Do you have that? 
the beginning, the principle of respecting small beginnings. Amen. That you do not despise small beginnings. You do not despise small things. When you watch God carefully, you will find that one of the principles by which God operates is that with him, big things often have a small beginning. Are you getting it? Anything big that God is going to do will likely begin not with a big bang, but as a small beginning. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, God doesn't just create a big explosion and then things, everything appears, you know. But God would usually take you through small steps. God would take you through little pathways that you may not have much respect for. And yet that is exactly the road that leads where you're going. Amen. So don't let the big picture deceive you. Don't let your obsession with the big picture make you fail to take the small steps that lead to the big place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let the focus and the vision, yes, keep an eye on the end goal. Keep an eye on the big picture, but don't miss the small steps. I think everyone must have experienced this before, that you trip on the stairs because you were not looking. You were looking more at where you were going, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, and you see, when you keep looking at where you're going without minding the small steps that lead there, you trip and fail to go there altogether. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, you can trip and hurt yourself so bad that the journey has to be aborted. You can see it in front of you, but you're not going to go towards it anymore. You will limp at best towards it. Do you see? So there are small steps, small th beginnings. There are many things that have small beginnings that we have to respect. Do you see? And as we respect those small beginnings, we respect those small steps, small efforts, small pieces of advice, small opportunities that are given us, we are able to gradually make our way and progress towards the big picture. Amen. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Then it says, but when it grows, it becomes a tree. So when God wants to give you a tree, he gives you a seed that becomes a, the tree. If you despise the seed, you will never have the tree. You get it? And you can never allow yourself to be so deceived by how different the seed looks from the tree. You see? And many people throw the seed away because it doesn't look like the tree that it is intended to become. Most seeds do not look like the tree that they are going to become. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. So many people throw the seed away and keep the tree in mind. <laughs> Not realizing that God has given them the seed. You see, recently I was speaking to somebody and I was telling him, you need to learn how to give. You see, you need to learn how to give and how to encourage your people to give. Because he was a pastor of a church and I was explaining to him that you need to encourage your people to give. 
Stop thinking that your people are poor because as long as you join them to worship and celebrate their poverty and make their poverty important, <laughs> you get it. And every time their poverty is what occupies center stage, <laughs> you get it. That poverty will never leave the church. <laughs> you get it. Because it has a good seat in front. <laughs> And it is significant in the church, and that's what everybody talks about. But teach your people to give in spite of their poverty, because there is no way out of poverty except a supernatural intervention. And the supernatural intervention is what God has given. He said, give and it shall be given to you. It shall be given to you. It shall be given to you. You know, it, it speaks of a supernatural power or a force that you don't control, but which causes things to come and to make their way towards you. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. And so small beginnings and small things and small steps must not be despised because that's how we get to the big things. He said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, but when it grows, it becomes a tree. <laughs> I tell you. So the biggest mistake you can make is to despise the mustard seed. Is <laughs> to throw away the mustard seed. Your whole future, the tree and the beds of the air and the branches and everything that the tree is going to become is in that small seed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I think that we should all be looking around in our lives on a daily basis for the small thing we must mind which will become the big thing we are looking for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the principle of small beginnings, that's one of them, right? And um, it says, Jesus taught us three principles of progress. The principle of being faithful with small things. The principle of being faithful with another man's things. And the principle of being faithful with money. Hallelujah. Right? These are principles that we must learn and must be careful of. Amen. Number two principle is the principle of doing menial jobs with joy, isn't it? Because many big places have small doors. In fact, I don't know of a door that leads to a place smaller than the door. Every door leads to a place bigger than the door. Do you see what I'm saying? You just think about it. Even your little car. <laughs> you can't have a door that is bigger than the place it leads to. Every door leads to a place that is bigger than the door itself. So you must respect small doors. <laughs> Do you see? Yes, respect small doors, respect menial jobs, respect small opportunities because those opportunities will land you into a big place, isn't it? Yeah. David went into the palace first as a little musician who had come to play music for a man who was losing his mind, isn't it? Yes, God anointed him to play music, do you see? And they used the music 
to drive away evil spirits because evil spirits respond to music. Wow. Yeah. Evil spirits respond to music. They like to dance. You, you can play the right music and they dance out. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. There is a lot of evil that cannot happen without music. True. <laughs> you see the thing. That's why a lot of evil goes on at clubs. Yes, a lot of bad, naughty things. You know, they can't happen just at home in the kitchen. Or they, they can't, that, that atmosphere is, is not good. <laughs> it's not good for, yeah. I'm saying that because I saw a video clip yesterday. Someone sent me a video clip of someone I know and he was at the club. You know, yeah. Yes, and someone, someone took a video of him just to show to me. So look at this guy. Look at what he's doing. You know, and you could see the atmosphere and other young people around, and they're just that charge and supercharged with evil. You know, you can't do such things in the street. <laughs> and you need a certain kind of music going on in the background for you to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you see? Yeah. And so, music is something that evil spirits respond to. Oh, yeah. And that's why you need to have the right kind of music around you. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they respond to and the right kind of music will drive them away. And the right kind of music will bring the Holy Spirit around you. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the wrong kind of spirit will bring those spirits also around you. And sometimes the spirit of depression and unexplained unhappiness and heaviness. It's all evil spirit. You see, the Bible talks about evil spirits and that spirits are real. Do you get it? Yeah. Behavior is controlled and often determined by spirits. Let me show you this bonus verse. I'm just taking a little side journey to... Um, yeah, because I haven't preached to you in two weeks. I mean, I owe you some sermons, right? So, right. So, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, and you have he quickened, you know, you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you get it? Yeah, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And then in verse 2, it says... Wherein in time past, you see, this is Apostle and he was talking to the um, Ephesian church and he was explaining to them um, and their beginnings. And he says, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. The course of this world is like a course is a path. Do you see? So a path created for you by this world. That's how you walked. It's the path that actually determined your walk. Do you see, many people don't even realize that they are not so much in control of their lives as they think. That's why it's so hard to break a habit because at a point you, you are confused about who is actually in charge. And you keep doing something and keep doing it and you think, when I want to stop, I will stop. Until you try to stop and you realize you, you are not in control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When little children go to the circus and go to these playgrounds, they put them in these vehicles and they give them steering wheels and all sorts of things and the thing is moving and they think they are driving the thing, you see. But there is a master switch. 
somewhere. And so the little child is excited and he's on that thing and is turning and the thing is, but even when he turns left, he finds the thing going to the right because you are not in charge. <laughs> There's a dummy steering wheel that makes you keep thinking that you're in charge, but you're not in charge. Do you understand? That's why it's so hard to quit drugs. It's so hard to stop smoking. It's so hard to stop fornicating. It's so hard to do or stop doing all these things that you know are wrong and you don't want to do it, but you can't seem to stop doing it because you're not in charge. Do you see? So there is a cause of this world and the cause is determining your walk. And it says, according to the prince of the power of the air, right? So at least you can understand two words that there's a prince and the prince seems to have power. <laughs> Do you get it? There's a prince of the power of the air, which the Bible says is a spirit. Can you see? The spirit, so the prince, the power, the spirit are all in the same person. And he says, the prince of the power of the air, he is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So there is a prince of the power of the air, and that prince is a spirit that is at work in the children of disobedience. So people whose lives are contrary and people who live in disobedience and who go in the opposite direction to what is required of them have a spirit at work in them and that spirit works to generate disobedience in them. Can you see what I'm saying? So you have to believe it that there are spirits at work all around us and we need to watch out. That is the reason why you can't easily stop because you think you're doing it, but there is a spirit that is working in you to make you do what you do. Hallelujah. Amen. But when we come to the presence of God, that's why the worship time is one of the most important parts of this service. When we come to the presence of God, even the songs we sing, you see, because the words, the words that we sing, the lyrics of the song, the Bible says the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You get it? And many non-unbeliever um, songs and worldly songs, you know, their power is in the lyrics in them. Yeah, that's where the power is because the words are spirits, you see, and their life means they are live, if you like. They are live, like live ammunition. It means they contain power. There's something in it. And it is those words that supercharge people's lives and when even the experience is over, they find themselves still unable to break away from such that influence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But anyway, we're talking about David. So let's, let's just go on. This one is, uh, is, is free. Yes. Okay. Right. So um, how did I get into all that? He was playing music to drive evil spirits away. Do you see? Which is not a job that uh, people would respect so much. Do you get it? And many people don't respect Many small opportunities which are only intended to get you into a place. Do you get it? Because in many 
great places, you have to crawl in through a small door to get to that great place. You get it? Yes. And to go and to fit into those doors, you have to make yourself small and sometimes you have to lean. You get it? Very tall people can't get into certain places. They have to always have, you have to bow. <laughs> you get it? You, you can't, there are certain places you can't, you can't just walk their chest out like that. You, you have to bow, yield, surrender, and just quietly and gently make it in there. When you're in there, you can stand upright. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes the reason why we don't get jobs is because we walk through the door like this. And they see that a boss has come, that they are looking for a servant. (laughs) So they can't hire you. (laughs) You see, they let you go and look for a servant. We must be able to do menial jobs, even in the church. We must be willing to do small jobs in the church. And often the small jobs keep you around the church longer. They keep you in the presence of God longer. Yes, because you are here before it starts and you're here long after it's over. And you will find that people who become anointed are people who linger and who are around, who have a seven spirit and who are around and are available. Those are the people who become anointed. They are the people who become pastors. They are the people who become lady pastors. People who linger and are around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, um, menial jobs, doing menial jobs with joy is another one of David's uh, principles. Now, through that job, the Bible says he became an armor bearer. Do you see? Now they are introducing him to other opportunities. And then eventually... He got even the opportunity to fight Goliath. And then from that point on, his fame exploded. (laughs) Do you you get it? If he had despised the opportunity to play music, you know, I mean, think about it. Playing music and then fighting Goliath and eventually becoming the king, you know. Who would have thought that the way to becoming a king is to play music? (laughs) Play music for um, a mentally ill person and that's how to become king. No. God is mysterious. If we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. When God is exalting you, it's a superpower lifting you up. And he will lift you up above so many things and place you where he wants you to be. Can I have an amen? Amen. The Bible says promotion does not come from the east or the west. It says God is the one who promotes people. Do you get it? Promotion does not come from the south. That means people, people who are lower than you cannot lift you up. They cannot promote you. And promotion does not come from the east or the west. It also means that promotion does not come from peers. (laughs) Promotion comes from the north. Somebody higher than you has to lift you up and place you where you belong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it's a very important lesson from David. Do menial jobs with joy. Amen. Next one I see here is the principle of turning away from those who despise you. You get it. 
Turn away from those who do not respect you. Those who do not believe you have anything to offer them. Those around whom you feel very small, very belittled, very insignificant. Turn away from such people. And go to people and go towards people who love you. People who can see something good in you. Do you see people who believe in your future and people who think you can amount to something and people who give you a chance to do something? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, and you find yourself growing among such people. Hallelujah. You find yourself growing among such people. You see, people sometimes are like um, a tube of toothpaste. Do you realize that when you get a brand new tube of toothpaste, It is loaded with stuff. Do you get it? But even when you tip it upside down, the things don't come out. (laughs) Do you get it? But when you meet somebody who places a demand on the toothpaste by squeezing it (laughs) and giving it a squeeze and pressing, then stuff starts to come out of the toothpaste. That's a blessing to everyone. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? And people are like that. Sometimes they have to be squeezed a little bit for the good in them to come out. Do you understand? And when it starts flowing, you find out, wow. I mean, many problems are being solved through this person whom we thought was insignificant and whom we didn't think much of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you need to go near people who respect that. People who can see something in you. Because the demand they place on that thing is going to make you give off your best. And you find yourself doing things. Amen. Amen. That's why you shouldn't shy away from opportunities. I had um, L.P. Michelle saying that there are things to do in church and so on. That is true. And you should not shy away from those opportunities. Never be a person who goes to church or just you come to church and just go back home, you know, without getting involved in the process of creating what we all enjoy in this place. Do you see what I'm saying? By all means, be part of it. Add something to it because that's how you grow. You will be blessed by giving off and of yourself and of the gifts that God has given to you. Say amen. Amen. All right. So turn away from those who despise you and go towards those who um, love you and who appreciate you and who can see something good in you. Next one is the principle of choosing and staying with what you have tested. Okay? Choosing and staying with what you have tested. Okay? So this one is about not taking dangerous excursions and experiments. (laughs) You get it? Because some people habitually like mystery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you get it. They always skip who they know and go for who they don't know. <laughs> you get it. Yes. And they get surprised each time, but that seems to be their nature. You see. But there are some things you can't gamble with. You get it. And you have to stick with what you know. And David did that. He said, I cannot go with these things because I have not proved them. I have not tested it. You don't go with people you have not proved. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Go with people you have proved. Amen. Amen. People that are known. If you're choosing someone to be loved dose. Do you know what it means to be loved dose? Um, well, someone to go with. <laughs> because that's what David said. I cannot go with these. Do you get it? Don't go with strangers. Don't take companions that you don't know. And have beloveds and be in relationships with strange people. You know, strange people. These days there are human beings who sell other human beings. Yes, I saw a little video clip two days ago that someone sent to me. That they have a whole website somewhere. A whole app. It's an actually app on app, app store where they sell human beings. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes. They sell human beings. They sell human beings to people in the Middle East and other parts of the world who buy them and use them for, you know, domestic work. Yeah. yeah. But they literally buy the people. <laughs> That's right. So it's a modern day, you know, slave trade enabled by apps. <laughs> Do you see? It's amazing, right? And sometimes people find themselves in such situations because they go with strangers. Because they flow with strangers. They meet people who profess to love them or to care about them or, or, or you know, are trying to introduce them to opportunities and other things. And next thing they know, they've been sent somewhere and sold. You know, and so we need to be careful. Say amen. amen. Say no one will sell me. <laughs> That's why you need to let other people into your business. Do you understand? You need to be surrounded. I mean, if someone met you somewhere, a stranger, and is offering you a strange opportunity, you should at least let somebody else know. <laughs> Do you understand? Yes. It, which is one of the points here you'll see with David is that he takes advice. You know, he seeks counsel from others. You should ask, you know. Yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes people like to hide, especially relationships. And I wonder, I mean, what are you trying to hide? I mean, you know, if we know about it, what would we do? We'll take that relationship from you. I mean, do I look like I need another wife? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Or is it Pastor Charles you're worried about? <laughs> or maybe it's Moses. Moses is that thing. Or John Jack. <laughs> do you get it? No. Don't do things like that in secret. Do you get it? Because when it hurts, everyone would know about it anyway. Do you see? Yeah. Do you know why God makes us cry when we're hurting? So others will hear that we're hurting. <laughs> That's the only reason I can think of. To bring attention to you. And it starts from when you're a baby. When do you, you walk to, when the baby is sleeping and the baby is quiet, nobody goes there. <laughs> 
But when the baby starts to cry, ah, everybody runs towards him. <laughs> so you will cry. <laughs> and when you cry, we will come. <laughs> Do you see? But you should have called us <laughs> before. Amen. Amen. Right. The next one is um, principle of ministering to others. Isn't it? Ministering to others. That is very important. Amen. We must learn to minister to others. Think about others. Amen. Life is such that you can easily find yourself being very selfish. Selfish means selfish around yourself. <laughs> you get it? Yes. Everything revolves around you. It's just selfish, you know, selfish. You get it? Like if I say reddish, what do you think? <laughs> Around red, you know, some, something in the red family. Yeah. So when people are selfish, they find themselves doing things that, you know, revolve around themselves. Do you get it? And life is such that you can easily be caught in that. Where the only people you do things for are people who are connected to you. Sometimes you're even helping someone, but you're helping someone because in the end, that help helps you. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? So you're still selfish. Yeah, it's not direct, but it's indirect. Are you getting the picture? And so we must try to minister to others. Hallelujah. Amen. And to serve others and do some things that benefit others. Amen. Amen. Things that bless others and you'll find great reward and great blessing in that. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's learn from the principle of work and earning of salaries. And you find that nobody earns a salary from what they do for themselves. Like no one pays you when you clean your house. <laughs> Even if you spend the whole day doing it. <laughs> or spend two days doing it. <clears throat> or three days. Yes. But if you put up a little ad and say, available to clean houses. The first person who calls you will ask you, how much do you want for that? That means even before they call you, they are willing to part with something. They are willing to give you something just for doing the same thing you just did in your house. <laughs> do you see how it would be great if when you clean your own house, you get a call from someone saying, I just saw you clean your house. I want to give you some money for it. No one would, even the people in the house... <laughs> Those who are benefiting from the cleaning. No, they'll rather tell you you didn't clean it properly. <laughs> yeah? As you're cleaning, they'll be walking and they'll say, you know this place. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? 
That is how it is. Nobody earns income except for what they do for others. So could it be that spiritually also the parallel is true? That nobody is blessed by doing things for themselves. But we are all blessed through what we do for others. Do you see? Yes. And the good example is that verse we were talking about earlier, Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. The fact that you must give and it shall be given unto you means that first giving was not unto you. Does it make sense? Yeah, the first giving, the first giving, you see the first word is give. Give means to part with something and to give it to another. Make it available to somebody else. But it says, it shall be given unto you. Means give doesn't mean give to yourself. Otherwise, the verse, give to yourself and it shall be given unto you. How is that possible? So the first one went away from you. And the one that goes away from you triggers and controls the one that comes to you. So it means if you want the one that comes into you, which we all love, if you're happy with the one that comes towards you, then the trigger is the one that goes away from you. Amen. Amen. If you want to keep it coming unto you, keep it going away from you. (laughs) Because the trigger and the determinant of the one that is coming to you is the one that goes away from you. So if nothing goes away from you, nothing will come unto you. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. Men will pour into your bosom if you give. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured unto you again. Okay, now that's the part where the verse gets a little (laughs) complex to understand, you see. But I think, I don't know, it says with the same measure something, it shall be measured something. It looks like they are talking about proportions. And it looks like the verse is saying that what you experience is a function of what you make others experience. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Measure... Measure means the degree to which, you see. So the degree to which you experience the blessings that come from giving is determined by the degree to which you create those experiences for others. Amen. Amen. So God wants us to be givers and to be helpers. And to be ones who generate blessing in the lives of others. Hallelujah. Yes. So let's not back off from opportunities to serve others. And to do things that benefit others. Amen. Ministering to others. Singing for others. Cooking for others. 
you know, cleaning for others, spending money on others. They are all opportunities for blessing. That's what David did. David took an harp and played with his hand so Saul was refreshed. Look at it. He took an harp, he played with his hand and Saul was refreshed. So the cost of what he was doing was on him. And the effect of what was being done was somewhere else. Do you see? The blessing from what was being done was somewhere else. But the cost and the price to get that thing done was being paid by him. Amen. Amen. And in your life, you will also have a lot of opportunity to do that. You will find that there are many opportunities where you have to carry the burden. You have to carry the weariness. You have to carry the financial burden. You have to carry the cost of doing it and somebody else will be refreshed. (laughs) Do you see? Someone else will be smiling. Someone else will be laughing and someone else will be joyful while you are paying the price. But it's a seed towards a David or a Davidic kind of end. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. As you do it, you will find that God is going to bless you. Hallelujah. I once heard somebody say that you can't give anything away. said you can't give anything away. He said things only leave you temporarily and rearrange themselves in your future. So it never left you. It never left your life. You get it. It just left your current circumstances, but it was relocated, you know, into your future, isn't it? We all have things like that. You see, it's for you, it still belongs to you, it's just not with you. You can't see it. Do you understand? Yes. And that verse says, if you give, it shall be given back to you. It shall be given to you. Do you see? It shall be given to you. Luke 16, 12. That one says that if you're not faithful in that which is another man's, you know, that means something that blesses another person. Who will give you that which is your own? You see? So it never really leaves you. Your own. It's with somebody, but it's your own because what left you did not leave you. It actually relocated and placed itself sometimes in another person's hand. And at the right time, it comes back. So it says, who shall give you that which is your own? It's already your own. And someone will now release it to you because you have been faithful with that which is another man's. Are you hearing the word of God? So that's very important. The next one is the principle of fellowship and non-isolation. Right? First Samuel 18 and 16 says, But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Interaction and fellowship with the brethren. Amen. Non-isolation because David did not isolate himself. Amen. 
it's important for us not to isolate ourselves, especially from the brethren and from church and from fellowship. Do you understand? Even in the world, they have a concept called networking. Yes, because they know that no matter how good, no matter how talented, no matter how gifted you are, you need interaction with others. Do you see? See, it's not enough to be good at making something. You need to know someone who wants what you make. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what makes networking important. And business people know it. So they know it's not enough to be very clever and very smart and very good at producing something or very good at designing things and very good at making things. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. You need to know people who want what you do. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it is their demand for what you do that actually pumps up your wealth. You become blessed and more blessed the more needy they are, <laughs> the more blessed you become. Are you getting the picture? So you need to fellowship. You need to be with people. Amen. You need to be with people. And the Bible says that we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. You know, there are some people who can't stand being around the brethren. But that's a bad sign. Isn't it? 1 John 3.14 says, We know we have passed from death unto life. Because we love the brethren. So our love, it says, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So one of the signs of true Christianity is your affection for other believers. You get it? And your comfort in that environment. Amen. Amen. So try to be with the brethren all the time. Amen. Amen. Don't isolate yourself. You get it? The Bible says David went out and came in before them. Right? He kept in touch and that helped him a lot. Amen. Amen. So be in touch with the brethren. Otherwise, these scriptures are right there and they are against you. It says that if you, you have passed on from death to life because you love the brethren. Right? Another one is 1 John 1, 7, which says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Look at it. It says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, what you do is fellowship with one another. Do you see? So, maybe the lack of fellowship with one another is an indicator that darkness is on at your end. Do you... Do you <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Okay? So, if we're in the light, 
what we will be doing is having fellowship with one another. Do you see? Yes. We'll be having fellowship with one another. But if not, you see, look at this other verse, John chapter 3 and verse 19. Verse John chapter 3 and verse 19. Now, let's even start from verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Say amen. amen. Verse 17 says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can you see that? 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Can you see that? And this is the condemnation. He says, this is the condemnation. Now, what he's saying is that he that believeth not is condemned already. Do you see? Um, the, the God's response to your not believing in his only begotten son has been determined already. You see, for example, if you just hit the highway and you start speeding, what will happen to you is already determined. You, you see, you, they are not going to now have a meeting to determine what to do with you <laughs> when you overspeed. Do you get it? The police officer is walking around. He, he even has the tickets in his pocket and has a pen and, and the amount. It's, everything is set. <laughs> That's what it means to be condemned already. So the condemnation exists waiting for those who will fall into it. You get it? So you get to exclude yourself from it. Amen. So he's saying that this is what will happen to those who... Um, are condemned or who find themselves condemned alright he says and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil so people who are living in sin you know one of their problems is light because light exposes it look at the next verse for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light Neither cometh to the light. Can you see that? Lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest. That they are wrought in God. Amen. Amen. Can you see the verse? Look at verse 19 again. You should underline it in your Bible. Or highlight it on your device. It says, this is the condemnation. That men, the light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Right? For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. So is it true that everyone that hateth the light doeth evil? Hmm? Look at it again. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. So could it be that everyone that hateth the light doeth evil? 
So it means I don't have to catch you doing something wrong. I can just look at your aversion for light and your hatred for interaction with the brethren and fellowshipping with the light and use that to conclude that you must be living in some darkness. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And the Bible says, he that doeth evil, you see, he hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Anyone who is doing evil hateth the light and he does not come to the light. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That's why most robberies occur at night. (laughs) You get it? Yes. And any robbery that occurs during the day is, is, is distinctly called daylight robbery <laughs> because it's unusual robbery. <laughs> it has to be qualified. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? People need darkness to continue to do evil. Do you get it? So perhaps it is because of the evil deeds in your life that you do not want to come into the light. Do you get it? But the scripture is urging us. Look at the scripture again. First John chapter 1 and verse 7. It says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what do we do? We have fellowship with one another. If you are a person of light, you will interact with one another. Do you see? And guess what will happen? It says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse you from all sin. Can you see that? Yeah. So the reason why you are staying away from the light is because of the sins. And he's saying, look, never mind, never mind. You just come as you are. Because once you come to fellowship and interact, the blood of Jesus is waiting to cleanse you from the sin anyway. So what you're supposed to do is to go towards the light and go towards fellowship and not to stay away from it because of the sins. Rather, there is a solution for you. There is a solution waiting. There's nothing in any of our lives that surprises God. There's nothing... Negative. There's nothing you're doing wrong. There's nothing you're struggling with that God does not see. God rather wants us to be embracing. And that's why those of us who are in the light must be accommodating and not condemning of people who come with sins. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because that's where they're supposed to come. <laughs> They are supposed to walk towards their light because their sins and the negative things in their lives will tend to keep them away from the light. But there is help in the light. Amen. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So don't stay away. Do you see? Don't stay away. Don't stay away. Rather, come closer to the light. Yeah. No matter what you do during the week, try to come to church on Sunday. 
Do you get it? If not for anything, for polishing and for, for cleansing. You get it? Cleansing and decluttering of lives. Even if you're going to go back to the same things, you just come. Just come. Just come. Do you understand? An interaction with the blood of Jesus is healthy. <laughs> the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from every sin and keep cleansing you and keep cleansing you until you actually start enjoying the feeling of being clean. Do you, do, you, do you understand? Yes. That's the effect of the blood on people, which is that at a point you stop doing those things. You stop sinning because you actually enjoy the cleanliness more than the dirt. That's what happens. God will cleanse you and cleanse you and cleanse you and cleanse you until you love being cleansed and staying cleansed. Hallelujah. Right? So don't separate yourself. No matter what is going on in your life, always come to church. No matter what happens on Saturday night, you come to church on Sunday morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a place in the Caribbean I used to go to and have camps with them um, during the carnival time. And I tell you, those carnivals can be wild. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like really wild, you know. And um, I actually have some pictures from the carnival, which I don't really show to anybody, but, <laughs> but I have them. <laughs> because if you take a picture of the carnival, you will have them. <laughs> you see, yes. But one of the things about the carnival, it happens on, I think it's on Sunday evening to Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday, they call it, they call it something like cool it down or something. Else. And they all go to the beach on Wednesday to cool down. And then in the evening, it's Ash Wednesday or something. They go to the church and they go and make something. Lord, cleanse us. Cleanse us. <laughs> you see, and I, I, it's interesting to me, but I tell you that God will cleanse you from your sins. God is your friend. He's not your enemy. God is not trying to condemn you. He says that the one who continues to live in sin is condemned already. There's no effort that needs to go towards condemning you. Do you see? Many times people say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. No, nobody's trying to judge you. <laughs> you get it? The, the, what the Bible says about what you're doing was said even before you ever did it. Do you see? So there's no effort towards judging you. No one is judging you. But the word of God has already predetermined what happens to people who do such things? Hallelujah. So instead of staying there, come away from that place and come into the light. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse you from every sin. Amen. Well, um, the last one or so, it says the principle of avoiding arrows of hatred. Okay. Principle of avoiding arrows of 
hatred. And then there's another one, the principle of adapting for progress. Wow, that's one of my favorite ones, which is that you must adapt yourself to situations in order to make progress. Okay, now just so that you can say that I taught you something when you went to church. <laughs> okay, and not just told you what Pastor Charles said. I'll just add one quick one, which says, the principle of behaving wisely when you are blessed. That's, okay, behave wisely when you are blessed. That one is in First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 14. He says, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Okay, now, what that verse then means is that the Lord's presence with us is not to be taken for granted. That God is with you doesn't mean you should act stupidly. Does it make sense? Look at the verse. Look at it again. It says, David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Do you see? It means we don't take it for granted that the Lord is with us so we can do foolish things. But that we must behave wisely in all our ways. Amen. And it says when Saul, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, right? It says he was afraid of him. <laughs> And the princes of the Philistines went forth and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely. This is verse 30. He behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name was much set by. Hallelujah. Right? So wise behavior is expected of us. Amen. Wise behavior is the opposite of foolish behavior, right? And God expects us not to take his blessings for granted and because of that, behave foolishly. Amen. Notice when you are blessed. Do you see? Privilege is something that many people do not recognize in fact, privilege and blessing is most easily recognized when it's behind you. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. When they are no longer with you and when you have lost it, that's when most people recognize that what they had was a blessing. Do you get it? Yes. And it applies to Many different things. I mean, in David's case, it says in all his ways. It means in all aspects of his life. Do you get it? You will miss out on the blessings that God has given you if you don't learn to behave wisely or learn to recognize blessing and behave wisely towards those blessings. Amen. Amen. When you have a church, it's a privilege. It's a blessing. You have a pastor who calls you. It's a blessing. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. When you're married, it's a blessing. It's, it's a status that is a blessing. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, if you have one that works, it's a blessing. You get it. You have a marriage that you enjoy. It's a blessing. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a blessing to have children. It's, it's all these things are blessings and they are privileges that God gives to us. And for all these things, God expects us to behave what? Wisely. Behave wisely. That what you're doing is foolish for someone who has the blessing that you have. Amen. Amen. Especially with married people, sometimes we just assume that they will always be there. Do you see? Yeah. But recently, I met somebody who uh, was telling me, um, actually, it was a pastor, and he was telling me about his, one of his church members, and he was explaining that his church member um, has a father who no longer wants to be a man and has become a woman. You get it? Yeah. So he no longer has a father. <laughs> that, that's what it means. <laughs> do, 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 do you understand? Yes. Because your father would now like to be a mother and the mother position is already occupied. Do, do, do you get it? So there's no vacancy there. And he, so the father has gone through so many processes to become a woman and, you know, and is there. And he showed me a photograph of those two parents because they both came to church one day. Of course, with that arrangement, the marriage didn't survive that. Um, and so they are no longer together. But they were having Soling Sunday service. And he invited his father and he came. And he invited his mother and she came. And turned out they sat next to each other. So he was showing me a picture of his two... <laughs> It's complex. It, it's complex. And so when you have something, it's important to respect the blessedness of that privilege. Do you understand? And not think or assume that you will always have it. You know, one day you're going to look for your mother and you will find that she's no longer around. One day you're going to wish someone would tell you stop it. Yeah. yeah, someone will tell you stop it because you know some people rely on that. <laughs> it's like an emergency brake system. Yeah, no, I can keep going. I know my mom will not give up. One day you find out that you're in a free fall <laughs> because no one is telling you stop it. You get it. To have someone in your life who cares enough to say stop it. It's one of the greatest blessings of your life. Amen. Amen. All of us are products of the amount of stoppets that we got. Those who got more behave better. <laughs> and those who got none are now very wild. <laughs> Somebody has to have both the right and the courage to tell you, stop it. Because many times the things that destroy what you're trying to keep are things you don't even recognize as destroyers of what you're trying to protect. 
Amen. Is it making sense? I know it's time to close. So, But you need to be careful. Amen. We need to be careful with that. We must not, we must behave wisely when we are blessed. God has always been concerned about what will be the effect of a blessing on people. Do you see? Yeah. So a good example would be Abraham. Abraham, God gives Abraham a son after so many years of living without one. Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22, you see how God, Genesis chapter 22, you see how God, um, God takes Abraham, whom he has just blessed with a son. You see, and he says to him, he says to him in verse um, two, God came to Abraham, verse one, and he says, it came to pass that God did tempt Abraham. Can you see that? God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a bent offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Isn't it? Yes. So it means that sometimes God's instructions are also to test you to see what is in your heart or what will the effect be of blessing you with something. Can you see that? Yes. So he tells Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice Isaac. And then Abraham takes Isaac and he goes towards sacrificing him. And in verse 11, verse 10 says, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing Thou wouldst not withhold, or thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Amen. Amen. Can you see God finding out something he didn't seem to be sure about? Isn't it? Yeah. And it's interesting that God, whom we often assume would know everything, you know, still wants to test us. And wants to find out how will you behave when I give you this. Do you get it? So when he comes to Abraham, he's coming. Look at the verse again, verse 1. God did tempt Abraham. Means God tested Abraham. Do you see? And in the test, 
he reveals the two things he's trying to find out. One of them is that when you have someone you really love. Number two, when he's the only one you have. Do you see, would you give them up for me? So in verse two, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and go to the mountain and go and sacrifice him. Now he has eliminated all the reasons Abraham would give to him. Because Abraham could have said to him, Lord, you know he's my son. And God says, I know that already. You know he's the only one. Yes, I know that. You know I really love him. Yes, I know that already. So don't come with any of those excuses. And God specifies, I mean Isaac, because before this time, there was this Ishmael that had become a controversy. And he thought Abraham would easily take advantage of that to just get rid of this Ishmael quickly. <laughs> Let's just get this. This whole Ishmael has upset this family. His wife was already upset. He's had a baby with a maid. And so, so Abraham just calls Ishmael, listen, let's just go. God, you asked for my son. Here is this one. Let's just get rid of him. And oh, this whole issue will just go away. So when God comes asking for a son, he says, I'm not asking for the controversial one. I want the one you like. You see, and when Abraham passes the test in verse 12, God says, now I know. You get it? I I know something I've been looking out for. Do you see? Which is what will the effect be? On you when I bless you. Hallelujah. God blesses us. A lot of people stop serving the Lord just because they were blessed. Yeah. God will give you a job to see if you still serve Him. If you even give a tithe. It's amazing how. How people paid more tithe when they didn't have a job. (laughs) Yeah. Because at the time, the tithe was only $2. And then God says, here's a job. Let's see what you do. Suddenly you now have $100 or $200 or $500 for a tithe. And you look at it and say, Lord, all of this for you. I thought you're used to two dollars. That's what you like. <laughs> and God is just watching you. Let me show you another quick one. And then we'll close. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I hope you're learning something from these things today. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7. The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 8. And verse 7. It says that you must remember. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat, barley and Vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive, oil, olive and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread 
without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. You know, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God, for it is he, for the land which he hath given thee. Can you see that? In other words, God is expecting that when he blesses you, it should not diminish your service. If anything at all, it should augment it. Can you see that? So in verse 11, he says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Do you see? And he goes on and on and on and on. God has always been concerned about the effect of his blessing on people. Amen. If you went to the Lord asking for anything, one of the main concerns God will have would not be you just having it or whether he can give it to you or not, but it's whether you can stand to be blessed. <laughs> Do you see? Yes. Because it's always easy to want something without thinking of whether you can survive having that thing. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about behaving wisely when God has blessed you. When God has blessed you with a marriage, behave wisely. Do you get it? Don't rain insults on your husband or your wife. Kick them around forgetting that that was your dream <laughs> and you're in your dream that's where you are now God has blessed you and you despise it you don't behave wisely that blessing is going to go away oh yes are you hearing what I'm saying so let's behave wisely if God has blessed us with a job and God has blessed you with a job. You should always remember the days when you didn't have a job. Do you understand? Yes. And instead of going around moaning and crying and telling everybody about what's not working, at the, just remember when you didn't have a job. <laughs> it always fixes your attitude <laughs> when you remember what life was like without this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. It is when people have left people sometimes that they look back and they say that, you know, if I was faced with the same circumstances with the same person, I would act differently. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And those of you who are married, I want to encourage you to do everything you can to stay married. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
A human being in the house is valuable before anything else they they can do or can't do. (laughs) Do do, do you see what I'm saying? That's there's somebody else in the house. You get it? Yes. Even to give you a chance to test that your voice and your hearing works. (laughs) Yeah, because being by yourself forever, you may forget that your voice even works. (laughs) So someone to give you an opportunity to talk or to say something or hear something or, you know, just another human being in the house. Do you get it? Who is committed to being there? Whom you don't have to pay to be there. Just give a pass. Cook for two instead of one. Just a little bit of passes here and there. It's worth something. Amen. Amen. And we must make every effort to respect that. Behave wisely when you are blessed. We'll continue next week. Amen. Right. Stand to your feet. And let's bring the service to a close. Hallelujah. Wow. The book is what? The Success of David. And it's available. Um, You can get it online. Put it on your device. And go through the principles and the points. Amen. Amen. And you'll be blessed. Close your eyes, everybody, and let's pray. I'm sure that all these nine different principles we've gone through again, you know, Today is the second time you're hearing them. I believe God is speaking to you through one or more of these points. So I want you to say, Lord, I hear you. I want to follow your voice. I want to do as you say. I want to obey you. Help me to be like David. Yes, pray and say, Lord, maybe you're one of those whose relationship with the Lord has changed since he blessed you with something. God gave you an opportunity and he looks back and he wishes he had not given you that opportunity. Are you one of those that God looks back on and says, I wish I had not given this person this blessing? God has regrets, you know. God sometimes wishes. You know, hallelujah. Just open your eyes for one second and just look at this, you know. Look at Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 7. Genesis 
chapter 6 and verse 7. It says that God says, it says in verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And in verse 6, it says, It repented the Lord that he had made man on earth. And it grieved him at his heart. God regretted having made man. And it grieved him at his heart. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them so God can set a person up and regret ever giving you what he gave you yeah look at another one 1 Samuel chapter 15 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 10 it says it says then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he is turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord can you see that God set someone up in a position and regretted it. Why did he regret it? Because after the person got the position, he stopped following God and would not perform his commandments. So is it possible that God can set somebody up in a position, God can put someone in a place and look back later and say, I regret making this person this thing that I made them. I regret making a way for her to go to that school. <laughs> yeah, because the school has so changed her. Now she believes in so many things and she would join people to argue about the existence of God. <laughs> She now has a mouth to criticize churches and speak against pastors because she has a little education because she learned something. God looks at some of our little fights in our homes and, and he says, you know, it repenteth me. It repenteth me that I gave this person a son, gave them a child gave them a husband or gave them a wife look at what they are doing because they have turned back from following me and not performed my commandments we need to watch out especially from for, for turning back you see turning back means you stop doing some of the things you were doing before before the blessing, what were you doing? Before the blessing, you would go to church, you would serve the Lord, you would pray to the Lord, 
Now the blessing is the reason why you won't do all these things. And that makes God say, it repenteth me. It, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. Can you put it in the other version? Just, just switch the version real quick. And I want us to pray. You see, we need to look into our lives and ask ourselves, you know, is there anything we're doing today that will make God say that, you know, I wish I had not make, made this person what I made them. Look at the verse. It says, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Can you see that? I am sorry. I am sorry that I gave him that green card. I'm, I'm sorry that he became a citizen. I, I am sorry. I, I am sorry. that I gave them that opportunity. But we would say that God knows everything. <laughs> Do you see? That is true, but God gives you a chance to prove yourself that none of the things he gives to you will change you. Do you understand? Because God doesn't want to destroy you. He doesn't give us things to lose us. Yeah. He doesn't give a, You see, sometimes a person will snatch a cell phone, phone from their child. Why? Because the cell phone they gave to the child has become the reason why they are not listening to them. So what do they do? They go after the cell phone and snatch it, sometimes violently, sometimes smashing it. Oh, yes. They scramble every blessing they gave them because they said, listen, this device I gave you was never supposed to come between you and I. Anybody who's had to deal with younger kids has felt that way before. Yeah. You, you take the thing you gave to them or bought for them for their pleasure. You take it and hide it. Oh, yes. And sometimes you even forget about it. When, but, uh, where you hit it, right? And by the time you find it, they have outgrown it. <laughs> You've hidden it for so long, they have even outgrown it. Yes. But it's because of their behavior. It drove you to take away something that you actually wanted them to have. Let's be careful that God is not driven to take away from us anything that he has freely given us to enjoy. Let's prove to God that, you know, you may have given me this or that, but you are still the most important person to me. And I'll never let what you've given me come between me and you. Do you understand? God has given you children. Don't let your children now become, you know, these, you know, babies born in Bethlehem in, in mangers. <laughs> so precious. They must not have noise. They must not, um, 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 they must be on a certain schedule. They, they must wake up at a certain time. You know, no, don't do that. 
If God has blessed you with a job, yes, go to that job, come back tired and still try to serve him. Yes. And I think God will appreciate that and say, look at them. They've worked all day and they are still trying to serve me. They are even falling asleep while they are praying. But that's okay. I'll look into their hearts and I'll, I, will, I will fish the prayer from their hearts. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Let God see that when you had nothing, you used to try to pay a tithe. So he has now given you more and you're saying, Lord, you know, it's not a problem for me at all. I know when I didn't have anything, I paid my tithe. If you've given me more, I want you to know that I will not be greedy. Yeah. The reason why people struggle to pay their tithe when they have more is because their heart goes after the 10. That's greed. Do you understand? They hide the 90 and they focus on the 10. And they start to fight with God over the 10. Say, Lord, you want all this? <laughs> Is the 10 now looks like 100. So they wish God would change the rules and make them pay a tithe of the tithe. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you going to be faithful as God gives you a new job? Now God has allowed you to work from home. It's giving you a lot of flexibility. What are you going to do with that blessing? Do you see? Because now you work when you want to work. You just have targets and you meet them. And what do you do with the rest of the time? And God is just looking at it. But since he gave you that, now you signed up for Netflix. Premium, premium Netflix or something. Yes. And it's one TV show after the other. Yeah. Yes. What you know now is episodes. Yes. And after watching them for hours, you stand up and say, the Lord is good. <laughs> Stretch yourself and say, the Lord is good. Let us pray everybody and ask God to pardon you for allowing yourself to be so negatively influenced by blessings that he gave to you and so negatively affected by things he has given to you. Just pray everybody and set me free search me Oh Lord, and know my heart, and know my heart today. Everybody pray, everybody pray and say, Lord, help me. Try me, oh Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. Cleanse 
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask for grace to obey. May we not be like Saul who turned back from following you in spite of blessing him with the privilege of being king. Maybe he never imagined that you who put him up there could also take him off from that place. And he went ahead and put other things before you which displeased you. Please help us not to be like that. Help us to be like David who behaved wisely. Wisely. When he saw that you had blessed him. When he saw the privilege. When he saw his situation and his circumstances. He chose to behave wisely. Behave in a way that was consistent with someone who recognized how good you had been to him. We pray in Jesus' name that you bless us today. Let the word of God dwell richly in our hearts. Let the message from today be with us and help us, Lord, to obey them. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, as we close the service, I want to give you an opportunity if you want to give your life to Jesus. All these blessings begin with your position in relation to God. And the Bible teaches us clearly that sin separates us from God. Sin does not only take you to hell when you die. That's more like how it concludes. But while you are alive, sin separates you from God. It puts a distance between you and the Lord. But God wants to be near you. God wants to bring you close. And so I want to give you an opportunity today to ask him for forgiveness. The Bible says, if we walk in the light as he also is in the light, his blood will cleanse us from every sin. Yes, his blood will cleanse us no matter what the matter is. No matter what the sin is. No matter what the defilement is. God will cleanse us and make it right. So I want to give you that opportunity today by asking you to pray with me and ask Jesus to come into your heart. So if you're here this afternoon and you want to pray that prayer, you can raise up your right hand and I will pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus, just raise up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Or you may be online and you're with us, but you know in your heart that you're not saved. You know you need Jesus. That distance between you and God can be closed by praying this simple prayer with us. So I want everybody to join us as we say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Say it again. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. 
because in many ways I fall short of your standards so Lord Jesus please come into my heart forgive my sins Lord let your blood wash me and let your blood cleanse me and make me a child of God say Lord Jesus I confess all my sins I own up to them you don't even have to say anything Lord I know it myself forgive me Lord Jesus and cleanse me from every unrighteousness now say with me say devil from today you and I are done say it's over between us I will not serve you anymore Jesus is my master Jesus is my savior I choose to serve Jesus from this moment forward now say Lord please write my name in your book of life my name is and mention your name say it again say my name is and mention your name and say Lord please write this name in your book of life thank you for Jesus for making me a child of God amen hallelujah put your hands together for the Lord amen right now let's have communion. Let's come to the Lord's table. Brothers, sisters, we are one. And our lives have just begun. In the spirit, we Yeah. Hey.
Father, we thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your body which was broken for us. The Bible says, except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Today we yield ourselves to the life that comes from only you. Supernatural power enabling us from within to live for you. We pray, oh God, over the bread and over the wine that you will transform these elements. Put life in them, Lord. Put power in them, Lord. Because power belongs to Jesus. We ask, Lord, that this celebration of the body and the blood, the celebration of the sacrifice of Jesus, will turn things around in our lives and help us live for you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let the bread heal our bodies. Let the blood cleanse us from every sin. All our mistakes, things we have said that we shouldn't have said, things we have done that we shouldn't have done, Places we have gone to where we shouldn't have gone, Lord. And things we should have done that we didn't do, Lord. And things we should have said that we didn't say. And places we should have gone that we didn't go to, Lord. We ask that your blood will cleanse us. Cleanse us from every sin. And let this be a rebuke to the enemy in Jesus name we pray and everybody says amen Amen. take your bread with me and say the body of Jesus Christ Christ. say it again say the body of Jesus Christ Christ. and you may eat the bread take the wine also with me Say the blood of Jesus Christ. Say the blood of Jesus Christ. You may drink the blood. Lift up your hand for a blessing. Father, we declare the blessedness of the communion. And we speak that blessing over everyone today in the name of Jesus. As you go home, go home blessed. As you step into a new week, step into it blessed. Let every crooked path be made straight for you in the name of Jesus. Let every mountain in your way be brought low and made into a plain in the name of Jesus. And let every valley be exalted before you in the name of Jesus those deep dark places those dark moments that plague your life we speak to those dark spots in your life and I rebuke them by the body and the blood of Jesus Christ 
by the power in the blood of Jesus Christ I speak to the darkness that seeks to envelop your life and overshadow you in the name of Jesus I rebuke that darkness the darkness of discouragement the darkness of depression the darkness of rejection in the name of Jesus the darkness of confusion may it be dispelled in the name of Jesus let light come into your life let there be light in your life let there be light in the confusion let there be light in your darkness in the name of Jesus may God make things clear for you may things be clear May God bring clarity to every confusion in your life. May God clean out every distortion and make things plain and clear in the name of Jesus. May God remove every obstacle to serving Him. Anything that makes it difficult to serve Him properly, may He take away. This week, will be a victorious week for you we name this week a week of victory may your days be loaded with victories in the name of Jesus in every place where you have been defeated before may you have victory this week in the name of Jesus Christ thank you Lord for your blessing in Jesus name we pray and everybody says amen Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.